If your potions are low and your magic is slow, you need a dose of Madame Pamita. You're listening to Magic and the Law of Attraction, episode 44. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Madame Pamita, and you're listening once again to Magic and the Law of Attraction the podcast where you'll learn how to transform your life in magical ways to make it the very best that it can be. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 44 of Magic and the Law of Attraction. What is a cauldron spell? Double, double, toil and trouble, fire, burn, and cauldron bubble. Yep. Shakespeare said that, and we have a big association with witches and cauldrons. So what is that about witches and cauldrons? Well, next to the broom, the cauldron is one of the most identifiable tools of a witch. But if you're doing magic, if you're doing witchcraft, do you really need a cauldron? And if you have a cauldron, what do you use it for? So I know lots of people that have cauldrons that just sit there. So we are going to talk about using your cauldron and your magic. And in this episode, I'll be breaking down that history of the cauldron, mystery of the cauldron, and the magic of one of the most useful things a witch can own. I'll teach you what cauldrons are used for, how to choose one, and why even in the 21st century, a cauldron is an indispensable magical object. But before we get to that, I got a couple of announcements to make. First announcement is that I have a new podcast that's going to launch very, very soon. Starting next week, actually, episodes will be coming out every week for this podcast, every other week for this podcast, because I have a new podcast that I'll be hosting on Slavic witchcraft called Baba Yaga's Magic, and that will be launching the week after this one comes out. So you want to stay tuned for that. Subscribe, of course, and follow that one. And every other week, every two weeks, I'll have one and then the other. Every week, I'll have one and then the other. And every two weeks, if you listen to just one. So we'll still be coming out with a podcast episode every week. It's just that they're going to be split up between this one, Magic and the Law of Attraction, and Baba Yaga's Magic, which is the new Slavic Magic podcast that I'll be launching. So stay tuned for that. Another announcement coming up is that we have the February Leo Full Moon Love Bath Spell Kit and Workshop and going on sale on January 25th through 31st. If you don't know about spiritual baths, they are foundational magical skills, foundational a foundational magical skill for cleansing, healing, empowering, and blessing yourself. And in this workshop, this hands-on workshop, you'll not only get a kit, but you'll meet with me and you'll learn how to create a bath spell from scratch. Order this kit and you'll not only get everything that you need to create that gorgeous bath spell, but you'll also be able to join me for a live Zoom hands-on workshop. Or if you can't make the live workshop, you can watch the recording after. Everybody who buys one gets the recording. And I'll teach you how to make baths of all kinds. And in particular, We're going to make a self-love bath for confidence, empowerment, and attraction. I mean, it's the perfect Leo full moon thing to do. So you can add that bath to part of your magic for your March Pisces new moon heart of love spell kit. So I always say that self-love is the foundation of inviting in good relationships. And so we're going to make a a self-love bath to go with the March Pisces new moon heart of love spell kit. So if you order that February Leo New Moon Love Bath Spell Kit and Workshop, you'll get a spell kit that includes special magical salts, herbs, 
and oils. And then you'll have access to the live Zoom full moon workshop with me on February 15th. You'll also get the recording of the full moon workshop to watch later or to download and keep forever. And as an extra bonus, you'll get lifetime access to the Full Moon and New Moon Spell Group. It is a private online forum where you can share your spells with a supportive group of magical practitioners. It's super secret. It's not on Facebook. It's not anywhere else. It's its own thing. And it is so magical and so cool. So I hope you'll join me for that beautiful Leo Full Moon Love Bath Spell Kit and Workshop. It goes on sale January 25th until the 31st, and then doors close on the 31st. So let's jump into today's topic now and talk about what the different kinds of cauldron spells are and why you might want to get a cauldron and start working with it magically. So first of all, let's talk about what is a cauldron. Well, I brought my cauldron. I brought my cauldron for show and tell. One of, I brought two actually. So this is one of my very, very old cauldrons. And it's great to show this if you're watching the video. It is a heat conducting and fire resistant kettle or pot. Now, most cauldrons that we see are made out of cast iron, but they can also be made out of other metals such as brass or bronze. They can be used for boiling water in, you know, just regular old times. <laughs> a cauldron was used for boiling water, for washing clothing, and of course, for cooking. Now, the magic of the cauldron, of course, is that it was an everyday item, but it was a magical item hidden in plain sight. Ugh, I love magical items hidden in plain sight. It's like you can do your magic and nobody's any the wiser. Now, the cauldron as a cooking item and as an everyday item was used for those things, boiling water, washing clothing, cooking, all kinds of things like that. But as a magical item, it has great significance. First of all, let's talk about the symbolism of a cauldron. Cauldrons are used in magic of transformation. When we want to transform something, we want to change something. And isn't that what magic and spells and witchcraft is all about, is changing something in the direction we want it to change, right? So a cauldron was seen as a tool for transformation. The shape of the cauldron, that rounded shape, is very reminiscent of the womb, right? You put something in and then nine months later you get a baby, right? <laughs> so the same thing with the cauldron. You put something in and something else comes out, right? You put dirty clothes in, you wash them, you take them out, you got clean clothes. You put some vegetables and some water and some spices and some you know proteins and then you cook it and you get a delicious soup. So it really symbolizes that amazing transformation. It also is like a, an, a portable altar, we would call it. Doreen Valiente, who is a, a famous British witch from the mid 20th century, said that the cauldron is an all-in-one altar because it contains all four of the elements. It needs water to fill it, so there's the water element. You need fire to heat it, fire element. Herbs and plants to cook with, that's the earth element. And the steam and the fragrance that comes out as you're cooking, that is the air element. It really brings in and is a reminder of those four beautiful elements. And we think of that transformation and using those elements for transformation. It is really a powerful, magical tool. Now, if we look at historically in legend and lore, there are cauldron references in magic going back to ancient times 
We see cauldrons buried with people as significant um you know, items when there's a special burial for someone, for example, in, you know, prehistory even. But we also have legends and stories that have magical cauldrons in them. And then when we learn about these legends, they can give us a deeper and richer understanding of what we use the cauldron for in magic. So one of the ones that I want to share with you is a super famous one. Caridwen's Cauldron is a really famous story from Celtic um, legend and lore. So according to late the late medieval tale of Taliesin, Caridwen's son, Morfan, was so ugly that Caridwen sought to make him wise. Because he wasn't good looking, she was going to make him smart. So she made a potion in her magical cauldron, as the legend goes. And that potion was to grant the gift of wisdom and poetic inspiration. And that's what she was working on. Now, this potion in this cauldron had to be boiled for a year and a day. Well, she wasn't going to sit there for a year and a day. So she got a blind man to tend the fire, and she got a, a young boy, Guyan, to stir the potion over the year. Now, when Guyan was serving, stir, serving when he was stirring the, the potion, um, he accidentally dropped three drops on his fingers. Now, this potion was very magical. The first three drops of this potion would give wisdom, but the rest of the potion would be a fatal poison. Now, he splashed three drops onto his fingers, and he then hot, you know, hot potion on his fingers. He stuck his fingers in his mouth because they were burned, and then he gained all that wisdom and knowledge that Caridwen had intended for his son, her son. Now, since the story goes on and on and on about that, you know, she got mad, she found out, she got mad, so he ran, she chased after him, she destroyed him, but he couldn't be destroyed, and then he was reborn as Taliesin, the poet, the really famous poet and bard. So this is a, an amazing story that features a cauldron in it, and it's this cauldron where this witch goddess was making this potion of wisdom. Transformation, right? There's another story coming from um, Celtic legend and lore, which is the cauldron of Bran the Blessed. So Bran was a mighty warrior god who obtains a magic cauldron from Caridwen, which could resurrect the corpse of dead warriors placed inside it. It would take the dead corpse, put it inside this big magic cauldron, and then the warrior would come out alive another legendary cauldron. There's the cauldron of Dagda, and in the mythological cycle of early Irish literature, there were four treasures that were given that were supposed to have brought, been, come from four island cities when they arrived in Ireland. And one of those treasures was the cauldron of the Dagda, which was like a cornucopia. It was constantly producing food. No one would ever go hungry. No one would ever want. This magical cauldron would constantly produce food and plenty for everyone. So that cauldron was known as the Undry, and it was said to be like a bottomless, hey, it was an all-you-can-eat buffet. It was a bottomless cauldron that would always serve food. There's another another one that comes from Scott, or sorry, from Wales, the cauldron of Dinwich, Dinwich the Giant, and that was a Welsh tale. And the cauldron of Dinwich the Giant is said to discriminate between cowards and brave men. It would not boil meat for a coward, but it would boil quickly if that meat belonged to a brave man, if he was cooking in the cauldron. So it was like a test. 
In Norse mythology, Aegir, the, the god of the sea, would host a was supposed to host a feast for the gods, but he didn't have a cauldron big enough to make mead for all of them. So he demanded that Thor bring him one. Tyr, another god up there, remembered that his father, the giant Hymir, had a cauldron that was a mile deep. And so Thor and Tyr traveled to Hymir's hall. They were all kinds of tests. And then finally Thor kills all of the giants and returns with the cauldron. And ever since that time, the Norse gods would always come to Aegir's uh, hall and they he would brew ale in this mild deep cauldron and they would have enough ale for everyone. In Greek mythology, we have Circe, the goddess witch, Circe, and um, in the Odyssey, in the story of the Odyssey, Odysseus reached the island where Circe lived and he was bathed in a giant cauldron. And even in Slavic mythology, we have Baba Yaha, Baba Yaga. Most of the time she flies around in the mortar, but in some stories we hear of her flying around in a cauldron. So Cauldrons are associated with magic, with witchcraft, with transformation. It is, they are magical, magical tools. So I encourage you to research this mythology and learn more about the cauldrons. I'm sure in every culture there is some cauldron story that has some significance, a magical story featured in a cauldron because it was an everyday object, but an object that was pretty magical. Now let's talk about some of the practical aspects of the cauldron. So every cauldron has a handle either on the sides or a handle over the top. Most of them that you'll find will have a handle over the top. That handle over the top can be used, of course, for lifting it, but it can also be used for hanging it. You could hang it on a hook in your fireplace. You sometimes see old fireplaces and there'll be a hook coming out. It's for hanging the cauldron over the fire in the fireplace. If you've ever looked at like an old cowboy, um, like they're sitting outside and they're cooking their beans or something like blazing saddles, <laughs> anybody, but they're cooking their beans over the fire. They have a tripod that they're hanging that cauldron on over with that handle on top. Now, most many cauldrons have three feet at the bottom. And the reason that they have three feet is for stability. The um, A tripod will stand stronger and straighter than four. You need to have a flat surface for four, but something with three feet will kind of compensate and can stand pretty stable. So it has three feet on the bottom for stability. Some don't have any feet on the bottom because they're meant to be hooked onto a hook or onto a tripod and they might not have feet, but most that you'll see have three feet for the stability. And that is what we you know, how you sort of identify a cauldron from let's say like a Dutch oven or something else. Now, cauldrons can be made out of many, many metals. We Most of the ones that you see, the black cauldron that we associate with witchcraft and the witches in Shakespeare and so on, are made out of cast iron. Iron is associated with the god Mars and so has a lot of associations with that and um, Mars energy. Um, but we also see cauldrons made out of other metals. There can be copper cauldrons, which can be associated with the goddess Venus. Uh, brass cauldrons, which look like gold, and so they're ruled by the sun and sun energy, Apollo energy, um, and really are used oftentimes to invoke prosperity. They're beautiful. We have a, a brass cauldron in our shop that has a pentagram on it, and it's super cute and, and magical and golden, so golden and beautiful. You might be able to find silver-plated cauldrons sometimes, and those can be used for working with the moon or divination or, um, you know, dream work and so on. Uh, you can also find bronze cauldrons, and those are made from copper and tin. And tin 
is associated with the god Jupiter, which is about bounty and plenty. So you can find lots of different cauldrons made out of different materials, but the vast majority of the ones that you're going to find are going to be made out of cast iron. Now, when you're choosing a cauldron, if you don't have a cauldron and you think now, wow, I really want a cauldron, I want to learn how to work with it, um, you're going to have to choose one. And there's lots of choices that you have. The first thing you want to choose one that has a size that works from you for you. We have ones that are teeny tiny cauldrons that are, you know, about, I don't know, size of a softball, maybe even smaller. We have teeny tiny ones. And those are great for doing things like burning incense, or maybe you light a little candle inside of it or something like that. Going up to larger ones for making potions and brews. Now, the biggest one we have at the shop is probably around six or seven inches in diameter, maybe eight inches in diameter, but there's bigger ones and bigger ones. And as you get to those bigger ones, they can get quite pricey and quite pricey to mail because they're very heavy. But you can find one that's certainly a good size for making a potion or a brew would be a six or an eight inch in diameter uh, cauldron that could work great for that. So you might want to choose a size depending on what kind of magic you want to do with your cauldron. So that is one consideration when buying one or looking for one. Uh, you might want to have one with a lid. Not all cauldrons come with a lid, but a lid can be helpful. If you're doing containment magic, which we're going to talk about in a second, you may want to have a lid to sort of contain everything. But if you're working with fire inside your cauldron, that lid comes in really handy because if things get out of control or you want to snuff something out, you just put that lid on top and it will cut off the oxygen and snuff out your fire in your cauldron. So that lid can be very helpful. Some people want a lid, some people don't want a lid, but those are the reasons you might want one. Now, one of the things that I do recommend is if you work with a cauldron, that if you plan on cooking foods or potions or something edible, that you have one cast iron cauldron just for things that you will be that you will be using for making things that you will eat or drink and you don't use it for anything else. And then you have another cauldron for working with incense or grinding herbs or doing other things that don't have, that aren't necessarily going to be eaten. So have one, if you're going to make things that are edible, have one just for edible things and designate it for that and have one for everything else. Or you might even want to have one, you know, lots of cauldrons and have ones for different things. This one's for candles, this one's for, um, you know, storing things in and this one's for that and so on. So, but at least if you're going to be cooking foods or potions, you want to have one that's just simply designated for that. Now, in a minute, I'm going to tell you how to care for a cauldron and how you can use a cauldron in your magical practice. But if you, after listening to this, if you have some questions about working with a cauldron, well, I've got some exciting news for you. There's a way that you can meet with me for free and ask me your questions about spells, the law of attraction, spirituality, witchcraft, Slavic folk magic, spirits, divination, and more. Join me on Sundays for the live podcast recording and for the extra bonus content, a live Q&A after the podcast. It's absolutely free to join. All you have to do is be a member of the Spell Squad. And to do that, all you have to do is sign up at spellsquad.com. It takes place every Sunday except for the first Sunday of the month at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern. If you want to see past episodes, you can check them out on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash madampamita. Or you can listen to the podcast by going to magicandthelawofattraction.com or by finding it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. So go ahead and go over to spellsquad.com, sign up today so you can join the Spell Squad, get a ton of free goodies, and join me with a cup of tea and download some deep spiritual knowledge. It's always fun in our little clubhouse, and I would love to see you there.
So now let's talk about how you can use a cauldron in your practice. So the very, very first thing when we're thinking about working with a cauldron magically is you want to think about it as a tool for transformation and abundance. When we look at those legends from the past, they're about transforming things and about abundance. Now, so when you start to think about, oh, this spell is a spell of change and transformation, or this is a spell for abundance, you can think about incorporating that cauldron into your spell. Now, there's lots of ways that you can use it for these kinds of spells. You could use cauldron as a container, simply a container. It could be a container where you put little slips of paper with your wishes on it. It could be a place where you put magical items to be cleansed or charged. You could, for example, put a bunch of coins in your cauldron to bring prosperity. Or you could simply use it as storage for your magical items. Maybe you've got crystals or you've got a set of runes or you've got something and you want to have a cute place to store it, your cauldron can be that. Of course, a cauldron can be used as it was meant to be used for cooking. So you can cook potions and teas in a cauldron. You can also cook foods and other things in a cauldron. And that way of working is very magical and really has a feeling of that you're making something quite magical when you use it that way. You can use a cauldron. What it's really good for is for burning things. A cauldron is is heat safe. It won't catch on fire, right? So you can burn incense in a cauldron. You could burn candles in a cauldron. You could burn petition papers in a cauldron. A beautiful spell is to write something that you don't want anymore, something that you want to banish, and then you burn it in the cauldron, right? Beautiful spell, beautiful way to work with it. And it's for transformation. You can also use water in a cauldron. You can wash and cleanse things in a cauldron full of water, but you can also use a cauldron, especially a black, beautiful black cast iron cauldron. You can use it for scrying, which is to look like you look in a crystal ball and to meditate, to go into a trance state and to get information or see images. A beautiful scrying tool. Cauldrons are great black background, water in it, and you've got everything you need to do some scrying there. Another thing that you can work with and another way that you can work with your cauldron is to use it as a planter. If you're really working with earth energy and you want to perhaps use it as something where you are planting a plant in it, put some earth in it and do it that way. That can be a gorgeous way to work with it as well. So if you're going to work with it these different ways, as I said before, make sure you have a different one for your potions and your food than everything else. Everything else, you can sort of clean it out and use it for the thing that you want. But definitely with potions that you're going to be eating or food that you're going to be eating, you want to have a separate cauldron for that. Now, when you're working with a cauldron, there's a sort of tradition that goes in a lot of, you know, magical practices across culturally of stirring something sunwise or clockwise for invoking and stirring something counterclockwise or wittershins for banishing. So if you're doing a spell and you're making something in your cauldron and you're stirring in your cauldron, stir clockwise if it's something that you're bringing in, stir, stir, stir counterclockwise if it's something that you want to release or get rid of. Now, let's talk about some practical things here. You've got to care for your cauldron. So when you get a new one, you may want to cleanse its energy when you get started. So when you do that, um, I'm sorry, I haven't Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you do that, you want to start by using salt or you can fumigate it by burning herbs. 
So that can be a fantastic way, you know, to burn your herbs around it. If you have a smudge stick or an herb bundle and you can burn those herbs around it to cleanse it, you can also put salt on it to cleanse it. You can put water on it to cleanse it and you can put heat on it to cleanse it. All of those things, you could burn fire in it, for example, you could put it in fire, you could put water in it. All of those things would be great for cleansing its energy when you first get it. Now, it's not quite so, I don't get fussy about cleansing and cleansing magical tools, but if let's say somebody touched it, or let's say you got a used one, you found one at an antique store and you don't know where it came from or if it had some funky energy or not, I would definitely recommend if it's been used before to cleanse it in that way so that you have a fresh start with it. Now, if you have a cast iron cauldron, um, you want to do some seasoning of that cast iron. Seasoning means that cast iron, if it's unseasoned, will rust very easily. Just the moisture from the air will cause it to rust. That's true of a, a cast iron cooking pan, that's you know a skillet, or of course a cauldron as well. So to season a cast iron cauldron, um, if you're going to be using it and if it's going to be in contact with moisture or you're going to be putting water in it or if it's, you know, any of that, you're going to want to season it. So season, seasoning helps create that natural coating that allows it to not get um, rusty. So rub it with some cooking oil. When you get your brand new cauldron, rub it with some cooking oil and put it in an oven at about 300 to 375. Put it on a cookie sheet so you're, you know, if the oil drips off, it doesn't go and make a smoky mess. And then put it in there for about an hour. Bring it out with an oven mitt because it's going to be heck you know, really hot, and then let it cool down. And then after it's, after it's cooled down, just rinse it with water. When you have a seasoned skillet or a seasoned cauldron or anything that's cast iron that's seasoned, you don't want to scrub off that seasoning. So you just want to wash it with water and like a little scrub brush. You don't want to use soap on it because your soap can wash off that layer of grease that's protecting it. So you don't want to do that. Now, when you're another consideration is we're, you know, so many times we're working with cauldrons and fire because they are heat containers, right? So they're great for doing things like lighting incense or lighting a fire. So when you're using a cauldron and you're lighting something fiery in it, that that um, cast iron can take a while to heat up, but if you're doing something like for a long time, burning a fire for a long time, that cast iron can get hot. So if it's not hanging on a tripod or a hook, if you have fire in it and you're putting it on something, make sure that you put it on something heat proof. That could be like a trivet or a ceramic or a stone tile or something like that. Something that's going to prevent it from burning and getting hot on your wooden table or you know ruining something underneath. So that would be a great thing to put there. Now, there's so much more about, oh my gosh, there's so much more about cauldrons. There's a couple of books that I recommend that if you want to know more about cauldrons, I recommend that you go to um, that you go to my site. And there's a couple of books that I recommend. One is The Witch's Cauldron by Laura Tempest-Sakroff. The other is The Flame in the Cauldron by Orion Foxwood. Now, Laura's book, The Witch's Cauldron, is purely about cauldrons. It talks about the history, spell, lots of spell directions on ways that you can work with cauldrons, and lots of information simply about cauldrons. In Orion's book, The Flame and the Cauldron, there's there are some really cool and interesting spells that you can do with cauldrons, but it's not the focus of the book. It's really about magic in general, but he does have some amazing spells in there to work with cauldrons. Now, at this Parlor of Wonders, we also have some cauldrons, lots of different sizes, super small, 
up to pretty big. We have cast iron ones. We have a brass one. We have ones with lids. We have ones that have like a, a pestle and you can use it like a mortar and pestle. So there's lots of options for you. And you can check out those cauldrons at the Parlor of Wonders. Um, also, cool a cool, cool thing that we have at the Parlor of Wonders, we have a cauldron of magic candle and a cauldron of magic spell kit. So if you wanna do some cauldron magic and some transformation magic, cause that's what that spell is all about. You can do it on your cauldron candle, write what it is that you want to get rid of or what you want to bring in and what transformation you want to create. So I recommend checking those out. We've got both those books, The Witch's Cauldron, The Flame in the Cauldron. We've got cauldrons in all sizes and we have cauldron candle and a cauldron of magic spell kit. So check them out at the Parlor of Wonders. All right. Well, that about does it for this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction. If you would like to get even more info about magic and spells, then check out the Learn page over at the Parlor of Wonders, where you will find a ton of free resources, including workshops, blog posts, how-to guides, how-to videos, past podcast episodes, and of course, the way to join me live over Zoom for the Magic Q&A Tea Party every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern. Just go to parlorofwonders.com and click on the Learn tab to see all the goodies there. I want to say thank you to all the Spell Squad members out there who have subscribed to and shared this podcast with your friends. And I want to say a special thank you to the folks who have left reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Those reviews really help get the word out there to the wider world about the podcast, and I appreciate you taking the time to do them. Thank you to Jill Navarre for production and engineering of this episode. Thank you to Manfred Hofer for announcing, and thank you to you for joining me, whether you're joining me here or you're listening to the podcast. I am looking forward to the next episode when we will be answering the question, how do I use bells for magic? So until next time, this is Madame Pamita saying, keep making your life the most magical adventure ever.